0: Verse 21 and 22 Exodus 25 verse 21 and 22 so how many had a wonderful Thanksgiving time? Man I realized that that um, through the years in pastoring I realized that there, there are some that are, have great memories of holidays and I know Sister Burke had mentioned this too in prayer, focused prayer today but I also know that There are some in our world, maybe even here today, that don't have good memories of holidays and maybe family and this and that. But you have a family of God right here. Landmark is a family. And uh, we're all in this together. We're walking hand in hand together toward the Lord. So I pray that your time... Here uh, with Landmark Family will be a time of great memories building and uh, a time for us to rejoice together. We're a part of this. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Uh, And before I read the scriptures, I I do want to ask the question. Uh, I know we had a great powerful outpouring of the Holy Ghost and we had a great move of the Spirit. And people receive some powerful experiences in the Lord. And I do want to ask the question, where are you today after your experience? Where are you today? Uh, You receive these powerful experiences in God. That doesn't mean your circumstances change. Uh, That doesn't mean that the struggle changes. Um, It just means that God's Spirit is stronger in you so you it will help you to be able to overcome those things God doesn't take us from struggle he didn't take Shadrach Meshach and Abednego from the struggle but he led them through the struggle and that's what God is wanting to do so where are we today in our experience that powerful experience of the outpouring of the Spirit of God Um, our part in receiving that powerful experience, listen to me very close, because I feel like this is very important. Our part is to keep that experience stirred up. The power of the Holy Ghost. That is our part. God is giving us everything that we need. He gave us a great outpouring. He gave us a great experience. But our part in this is to keep it stirred up. Uh, as the Bible says, stir up the gift that is within you and and how do you do that? How do you keep it stirred up? i tell you how you do it. You keep it stirred up by faithfully being in prayer and talking to the Lord every day and communicating with Him. It keeps a strong relationship. Also, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying. Have a breakthrough in your home, in an altar. Break out speaking in tongues again. It's not a one-time thing. It's something that we keep stirred up within us. Uh, How do you do this? You keep it by being committed to the church, being faithful to the church. You have it by being committed to worship and praise unto the Lord. You also have it, and this is just a few things. There's a whole lot more to this, but you also have it by taking the Word of God and reading the Word of the Lord and putting these things in you giving you more strength and understanding of the Lord. So the circumstances don't change, but the power of God's Spirit to give you strength and ability and understanding to how to overcome it, it's in God. Keep it stirred up. Amen? Amen. Keep it stirred up. After 77... No, no. Wait a second. After 1977 till today in 2023 I think I at least at this point today have a little bit of experience in that living for God I started on a journey with the Lord and I said I am going to make it to the end and God did his part and now I'm working on doing my part amen to keep that stirred up so God bless you today we're going to continue to see greater things ahead of us Exodus chapter 25, verse 21 through 22. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. Notice that. Thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall Give thee. And then verse 22, and there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things, which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Amen. God bless you. Turn to someone next to you and give a big smile, a Holy Ghost smile. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Amen. And then you may be seated. Praise God. God bless those that are traveling, those that are recuperating from surgery. We've had it all at once, so we're getting it all taken care of, all of those surgeries and all the recovery. So, And uh, those are sick, God bless them. Healing, we pray in Jesus' name. I want to preach to you on this subject, uh, God of second chances. God of second chances. Now, I realize that that title is probably not completely the perfect title for this message, but I do understand he does gives us, gives us second chances. Um, sometimes we feel like that God is so ruthless that when we come to Him and give our life to the Lord and then we make a mistake, that God writes us off. He says, "That's the end. Don't come back anymore. No, that's totally, totally not God. He is a God of second chances. And the reason why I say that might not be the perfect title for this message because he's not only the God of second chances, he's the God of third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, sixth chances. I mean, I can go down the list and talk about all the chances that we've had uh, we we could we could all say that God has been very patient with us. Thank God for patience that the Lord gives us. Thank the Lord that He's merciful and He's gracious. And the reason why we can experience the second chances is because He is merciful. Yeah, I you know there's there's I've been thinking about this in prayer for the last year or so that as we come to the Lord and say, God have mercy upon me really he doesn't have to give us mercy that's what mercy is all about Uh, you know we don't deserve mercy but he chooses to give us mercy uh, because that's who God is he's he's a God of mercy he is a God of grace and we sing about it here today on a couple of songs talking about the mercy and the grace of the Lord and uh, I feel like that the Lord is leading me on the right track here with this word uh, but we, we do have second chances, we have third chances. How many times have God given us chances over and over and over again? Thank the Lord for that, he's very patient. There was a man that, uh, that had a lot, that was recorded a lot of struggles in his life. And uh, he had a drive at that point because of the struggles. And a lot of people have had this before, that he had a drive to take his life because he felt like the struggle was too big for him, too hard for him to be able to overcome the, the struggles of life. So he went on a journey to try to uh, take his life, so thinking that he could put himself out of this misery, but yet I look at the you know, people taking their life, they're just putting themselves into greater misery, because they're taking the, the, the work of God, uh, forgiving life and taking life. So... I realize that it is a very difficult thing, but this man's name was William uh, Cowper, William Cowper, and he first attempted to commit suicide after his hard struggle when he was a young English lawyer. Uh, He had a lot going for him uh, financially, but yet he had so many struggles, he felt like it was time for him to take his life and get out of this misery. And uh, he tried to penetrate his heart with a penknife some of you probably know what that is, but he tried to take his li- uh, He tried to penetrate his heart with a penknife, but the point was broken. And in that attempt, he had a second chance. Matter of fact, he had a second chance to even try to take his life, and uh, it was said that then he resorted to uh, hanging himself with well, with a garter. But when he tried to hang himself with a garter, the garter slipped off the nail and he was not able to complete this taking of his own life. So he had failed again. He had another chance. He had, he had a third chance. And I'm probably sure that he had a fourth chance, a fifth chance to be able to get things right in his life. He had such a struggle in his life. But then at, at one point in his life, he was in such a terrible place that he was put in an asylum which that's what they called it in that days, and uh, sometimes they even called it a lunatic asylum. And he was in there for 18 months. And then, of course, he was released from the asylum, and uh, in his release, he tried to get a new, new hope on life, and he became a friend of a man named John Newton. And some of you probably remember that name. And as I mentioned it here, who John really was, he was a famous evangelical minister and they became friends and he received a lot of strength from John Newton and John Newton saw the the abilities in this young man uh, of William Cowper and he after being hanging out together he said to uh, William Cowper he said uh, why don't we jointly publish a hymn book so he he put together this joint effort between the two, the the, the man, William Cowper, that had second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And and he saw the capability and the the talent in this young man and they've started working on this together. And out of this, um, John Newton, uh, in his contribution to this hymn book, uh, wrote the song Amazing Grace. And because of that, he allowed that song to be put in this hymn book. But yet, uh, William Cowper uh, wrote a hymn, and it was called God Moves in a Mysterious Way. He put that in as a contribution in this hymn book, and they put other songs in there. And uh, it was a great blessing to other people. But William Cowper, in desiring to take his life because of the struggles and being in an asylum, he received more than one chance extra in his life and because of that he found that he could move forward and i believe that that his life was spared uh out of these attempts to take his own life because there was more purpose for his life you know god has everything in control and how many of us here today have a testimony and i've heard testimonies through the years being a pastor for 30 some years I have heard testimonies of people that said I should have died I was in a situation and my life could have been taken I was in a uh, situation my, my uh, of an accident that others would have died and I was in a car uh, and I, I I know that uh, uh, people today that were in cars that had a crash everybody died in it except for them I could mention their name you would know them and I, I know that we have had situations in all of our lives that we should have been dead today. But God spared us and gave us a second chance and gave us a third chance and gave us a fourth chance. God is always giving us extra chances. And out of this, um, William Cowper, uh, he, he wrote the hymns that was written after him, went through the horror Uh, He went through the horror of a mental breakdown, but these great hymns that he wrote were after the great mental breakdown. They were after that. You see, we go through struggles of life, and we find that, that we could have been dead today. Maybe all of us could say that, that something through our lives, maybe two or three or four times could have happened and we could not be here today but because of the grace and mercy of God and that there was greater things ahead that he had planned for us he spared our life. William Cowper he wrote the great hymns after his mental breakdowns but then he rose out of the valley of the dark shadow of his life to enjoy decades as the most popular poet of his 18th century era. He was a poet and a songwriter. Great things came out of that. He he found his purpose, what he felt that God wanted him to do in life. And oh, the mercy that God gives to us. Oh, the mercy and the second chances that God gives to us. You see, God gives second chances because of his mercy. He gives us third chances and fourth chances because of his mercy. Mercy, amen. There's some powerful things in the Word of God that we can understand about the mercy. It's full from Genesis to the book of Revelation. It's full of mercy and grace and second chances and third chances and uh, opportunities to to be able to find ourselves in God. Do you realize in some of the statistics, and this is a staggering uh, thought in the statistics in 2021, An estimated 12.3 million American adults seriously thought about committing suicide. 12.3 million in America. Do you realize also out of the 12.3 million, 3.5 million planned a suicide attempt and 1.7 million attempted it. 3.5 million planned it but 1.7 million attempted it. And it's also staggering the thought, even though 1.7 million attempted it, only 50,000 succeeded. Only 50,000. Actually, the correct number is 8, 4.8 thousand. Or 48,000, I should say. Actually went through with it. And took their life. What a terrible, terrible situation of people that, that sometimes don't think that there's extra chances of life. That God writes us off, or maybe they don't even believe in God. I read the the, the testimonies of of people that complain that uh, that claim to be atheists and said that that uh, you know at their deathbed, I wish I'd never been born or said that uh, uh, you know where is God God's not going to be merciful to me I, I, you know when it comes down to the very end and they're realizing they're going to step into eternity then all of a sudden they realize that there is a God and I've got to make some things right with that God but they feel like that there's no mercy for them but there is a second chance a third chance a fourth chance Amen. I, I, I know that it's, it's not just suicide, but through physical struggles and through accidents that we've talked about, God gives us other opportunities to find His mercy and grace again. Some people have, uh, should have been dead today, but He opened up the door. People that are in the church could have that testimony, but God gave them another chance to be able to make their way to an altar and find mercy and grace and the blood of Calvary, Jesus' sacrifice, on the cross to cover them. Everything in the Bible is about mercy and about grace. He gave them another chance at salvation. God is offering the opportunity of second chances and more. Even yet today, and we must seize the opportunity for a second chance. Seize that opportunity when when God gives it to us and it's available here today that opportunity for a second chance. You might fall flat on your face. Get up. God's got another chance for you. You might fall flat again on your face 150,000 times. Get back up. Keep letting God help you because He wants to be there for you. Do we write those that we love off and say never again? No, we say, come on, I'm going to help you through this struggle because we love them. Amen. Listen to what it says. It's so beautiful what God said in the book of Isaiah 54 and 8. Listen very close because it's so very important for us. It says, and this is what God said, verse 8 of chapter 54 of Isaiah, In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment. (laughs) In a little wrath. We think that he is full of wrath, wanting to beat us up. We think that he's got a whip and a ball bat or a a long board paddle with nails with a cross in it to tattoo that on the backside. That's what we had when we found our, our house up the street. They took everything except for a paddle that was made out of, uh, skid wood, and it was solid as could be, but they drilled holes in it that way when you tattoo the backside, it puts the image of the cross. We still laugh about that today. It was our inheritance for buying our house. But you see, God said, in a little wrath, I hid my face. From thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. Uh, a little wrath. You know, he, he, he does want to teach us some things. He does want to show us some things. And sometimes it takes a little wrath. And he might take a little bit of hiding his face for a moment. But then he said, everlasting kindness will I have Mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. And then listen to what verse 10 says. Talking about mercy, talking about grace. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on thee. That's who God is. (laughs) That is who God is. He is a God of mercy. We've got the wrong... Uh, thought pattern of who God is no it doesn't mean we want to take advantage of God it means that we are human and sometimes we fall down and God's there to help pick us back up Uh, you got to get back up our part is to get back up have the desire to get back up have the the craving to get back up you know who's going to be there when you get back up the Lord is because he is with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee. That's who the Lord is. Mountains and hills, you know, when you see them, you, we think of them as being stable. But, but if they are ever removed, understand this, uh, His kindness and covenant of peace will not be removed. God's mercy will remain because He's merciful to us. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. That's the problem. Sometimes we count slackness in one way, but God is not slack concerning his promise. It goes on says, "But his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." The most difficult part of mercy is not if God will forgive you. The most difficult part of mercy is that you can't and I can't forgive ourselves. That's the biggest hardship of mercy. It's not a a problem with God because He's going to be merciful. If you're honest and open with God and you ask Him to forgive you and you lay it all on the altar, He will forgive you of your sin. But the hardest part is for us to forget and the hardest part is for us to lay it down and the hardest part is for us to think that God uh, 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 forgets it. Uh, we think He's always got it on His mind and He holds that over us. No, that's not the case. His, his mercy is all everlasting and enduring. And in the Old Testament, it's a beautiful thing when you read about the tabernacle of the Old Testament. uh, There's some powerful experiences in there and types and shadows of what is to come and what we're experiencing today. Matter of fact, the tabernacle, when you talk about the tabernacle, there were some powerful things that points toward Acts 2.38. You walk into the tabernacle and you see a a brazen altar which is a place where they put the animals to kill them and there's death and there's bloodshed there and and they're killed. That's repentance, dying to the old sinful person. And then you walk to a laver and it's a laver of water. That is where they washed and that is a symbol of baptism. And, And then there's a holy place. It's got some uh, things inside of there, a part of worship and praise before you come into the holiest of holies. And I realized that the priest could only go in there one time a year, and he was the only one that could go in, and he had to be ready to go in. He had to be prepared to go in, because that's where the presence of the Lord was. But there were some things inside the holiest of holies, that place that I, I type as, as a place where God's Spirit is, which is a type of the Holy Ghost, the infilling of the Holy Ghost into us, The presence of the Lord in us. Amen. And and, and that is a place where what was in there was what the Lord told them to design and make it just exactly the way He wanted it. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant. A covenant that God had made to His people. It was a design in the Old Testament of what they called the mercy seat, which was on top of the Ark. Exodus 25, And thou shalt make shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold, and beaten work shalt thou make them, and in the two ends of the mercy seat, and make one cherub, cherub of one end, and the other cherub on the other end, even of the mercy seat, shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces shall look one to another toward the mercy seat, shall the faces of the cherubims be. So we've got this ark. It was overlaid with gold, and um, it it was a place where uh, there was things inside of it that God told them to put in, that he had supplied. And uh, we'll talk about those in a minute. But but it was an ark uh, 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 that was very holy, very precious to God and to the children of God. But here was this ark. It was a place where God meets with his people, where his spirit comes down. The blood was started in, at the beginning of the tabernacle, went all the way through. And the sprinkling of blood on that ark of the covenant went all the way through the tabernacle. But the thing about it was, There were, over the Ark of the Covenant was a mercy seat. Verse 21, and thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the Ark. And in the Ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. You realize your testimonies, God gives them to us. And we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimonies that God gives us. They're God's gift to us. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. Verse 22, and there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. So, when God speaks to his people, he always speaks through mercy. God dwelt above the mercy. And when God speaks, when God speaks to us through the preaching of the word, because the word is powerful, when God speaks to us through preaching, It will always be above His mercy. It will be through His mercy. You see, God always offers a way of escape for judgment. If we take advantage of it and repent, we're going to find exactly what testimony God is wanting to give us. But God protected Adam and Eve after they sinned. He put them out of the garden. It was not that He was trying to be mean to them. Put them out of the garden. He clothed them. There was a sacrifice that was made. He put them out, uh, out of the garden and protected them from going back in and clothing of skins of sacrifice. He did it because he, he cared about Adam and Eve and he preserved that uh, tree of life for the end. You can read it in the book of Revelation. It's there. He preserved that opportunity for us when we enter into eternity for ever and ever and ever. Life. God always offers a way of escape. He offered it to, to Noah and his family, and actually to all mankind. He offered an ark during the flood that raised and floated above the judgment. God offered a perfect sacrifice on the cross. He he raised himself he he raised himself above our sins over our sins the bible says in john 12 32 33 listen you've heard it before and i if i be lifted up from the earth will draw all men unto me verse 33 this he said signifying what death he would he should die on a cross he was raised up above our sin same thing with the ark the mercy is above our sin God offers salvation in Acts 2.38. But you see the testimonies that God gave Israel, they found them in the Ark of the Covenant, Hebrews 9 and 4, which had the golden censer in the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was, you know what was in the Ark? It says it right here, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, God supplied in the desert, in the wilderness, manna, food to eat. That was God's testimony to the people of Israel. He supplied it. He supplied Aaron's rod that budded. That was a, a, a gift from the Lord. It was a miracle that it budded, that rod. And, and the tables, which shows forth new life. And, and the table of the covenant, the, 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 the Ten Commandments, which helped them if they obeyed them. It was a gift from God. Do You realize that the laws of God and the commandments of God are a gift from the Lord. It's going to spare our life. It's going to save our life. It's going to deliver our life. The power of the word of the, of, the, of, the, of the Ten Commandments that God has given us, the commandments, they are to preserve us, not just here on this earth, but also in eternity. It's a gift from God. These things God provided as a provision for them, and He had them put them in, uh, in, in the ark, But all three reminded Israel of the provisions of God, but they also reminded Israel of their mistakes and sins. God gives us every opportunity to be an overcomer. But we squander it a lot of times through sin and through disobedience. First of all, the golden pot of manna in Exodus 16 and 32 and 33. And Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commandeth, fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations that they may see the bread wherewith i have fed you in the wilderness when i brought you forth from the land of egypt verse 33 and moses said unto aaron take a pot and put an omer a full of manna therein and lay it up for before the lord to be kept for your generations it was a reminder of what god did to provide but in this 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 time in the wilderness of providing and provisions that God gave them and blessed them with with manna in the desert how many times were they were complaining and and groaning and moaning before God in their ungratefulness so it didn't just show them what God provided it also showed them a reminder of how ungrateful they were for what God gave them Aaron's rod that budded Numbers 17.5 says, And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom, and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. It's not just a provision of God providing, but it's also their murmuring and complaining, and their, their disobedience to God. It was a reminder of both. And then, of course, the table of Uh, of the covenant, the ten commandments that were put in the tables of the ten commandments a testimony of God's love for us to give us commandments to help us to be preserved in our life John 14 and 15 says if you love me keep my commandments Uh, it preserves our lives through obedience of his laws so the tablet of the covenant reminded Israel of their failure not just the blessing and provisions of God but it also reminded them of their failures when they disobeyed the Ten Commandments. The sin. Their sin. I'm taking you somewhere here because I've got to get you to this point of understanding what God is trying to do. Inside of the ark were these three things. The pot of manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. God's provisions and their mistakes and their sins, but what was over the ark of God's provision and also over the ark of our failures and our sins is the mercy seat, covered Israel's failures. Also covers. It's a symbol and a design to let us know what God has provided for us, but also our failures of mercy and grace. As God looked down into the ark and came and met with the children of Israel in that holiest of holies, as God looked into the ark, he saw the symbols of Israel's sin and rebellion and his opportunity after opportunity of opportunity that he gave the children of Israel, second chances, third chances, fourth chances, but over this where God looked on the ark of the provision and also the sins of Israel, but when the blood of sacrifice was applied to the mercy seat, God saw that blood covering over the sin of Israel, and he looked at the blood instead of the sin of Israel mercy when God looks at us and our hearts are open to him and saying to the Lord God forgive me you know what he looks at at that point he forgives us the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin but he doesn't look at the sin anymore because he's looking at our sin through mercy He's looking at our sin through mercy. Talking about giving you a new look of God, God gives you second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chance. I mean, he keeps going on and on and on because he's looking at your past mistakes through your mercy seat. That's the type and shadow of the Ark of the Covenant a part of it. There's a whole lot more to the Ark of the Covenant. but That's a part of it. When you come through the test you will have a testimony that God has given you that came from God. Revelation 12 and 11 we quote this quite often here at Landmark. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto death. God positions us to be overcomers and gives us chances after chances after chances. It was said by a mother that approached Napoleon that the mother was seeking pardon for her son because her son had been very disobedient to Napoleon. The emperor replied that the young man had committed a certain offense twice, not just once, but twice. And he said justice demanded for death in this certain disobedience. He didn't just do it once, he did it twice. But the mother said, I don't ask for justice. I'm pleading for mercy. And then Napoleon's reply was, but your son doesn't deserve mercy. He doesn't deserve mercy. He's already been disobedient two times. And the woman cried out, sir, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask for. Mercy, if you deserved it, wouldn't be mercy. But we don't deserve it. But we're asking for mercy. And it's in God's hands if he's going to give it to us. But he's always ready and willing. For just a little moment, I'm going to hide my face from you, but but everlasting, there's everlasting mercy that God gives. So without God speaking to us through his mercy, we would never survive. You see, God has set it up here today to show us that the example of the Old Testament tabernacle and that Ark of, uh, of the Covenant that God gave that is filled with God's provision, but it's also filled with our mistakes and our sins and our struggle. But over the top of it is the cherubims that are stretching their wings over that, that ark of sin, an ark of, of, of provision He'd given us, and all those chances that God has given us. Uh, it, it, what's there is a mercy seat, and what God is looking at uh, as He looks through at the ark, He's not looking at the sin because He's got to look through the mercy. And he's got to look through the blood that he shed upon Calvary. Today God shed his blood for us and gave us provision to find second chances, third chances, fourth chances, and goes on and on and on. You think God's given up on you? Absolutely not. How many times have we come to the Lord and prayed and asked God to forgive us and all of a sudden the fresh touch of the Lord comes and it begins to minister to us again. And we begin to speak in that heavenly language and and speaking in tongues and the glory of God comes upon us. How many times have have we come to the Lord and asked God for more mercy and more grace? Yeah, there might have been times where He hid His face from us for just a moment, but His whole goal is to bring us to that point of complete deliverance for the blood that He shed on Calvary. What a beautiful thing, the blood that Jesus shed. Amen. And He's given us those extra chances in our life if you think God's given up on you let me wipe that thing away because the scripture bears it out he's still reaching for us amen he's still reaching for us he still loves us he still cares for us and he's here for us even yet today the God of second chances and more amen (laughs) there was a and I'm closing on this It was New Year's Day, 1929. Georgia Tech played University of California in the Rose Bowl. Some of you might have heard about this, but there was a, in that game, there was a man named Roy Roy Regals. He recovered a fumble for California that he played for, and he got confused. After he picked up the fumble, he got turned around in the excitement and all the people chasing him down the field and he got turned around and he started running the wrong direction and he ran toward the other team uh, he ran toward Georgia Tech's goal line and he he was running as fast as he could with a happy face and and all of a sudden he he found out that one of his fellow players chased him down and tackled him before he got to the goal line because he didn't want the opposing team to get a score it was an embarrassing event when they got into the halftime and they got into the 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 locker room and the coach usually begins to 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 tell them what they did right what they did wrong and to really get come down with it I remember uh, one great uh, uh, Lombardi one of the great coaches of the Green Bay Packers he one day, walked in as he was discussing with his team, and he held up a football. And what all he had to say was, "Young," uh, he said, "men, this is a football." He had to go back to the basics because he thought they lost the basics and didn't know how to play football anymore. <laughs> and he said, "Here's a football." But here, this man in the in the locker room, everything was quiet. Everything was quiet, quiet. Roy Regals, he was so embarrassed. He didn't even sit on one of the benches in the locker room. He went over in the corner and curled up in a ball, so embarrassed that he ran the wrong direction. He was curled up in that ball, and finally the coach got up and told him, we can do this, you know, let's go out, and let's pray, play hard. We got the second half, and so they went out, and they, the team left the room, except for Royal Regals, and the coach went over. He said, hey, Roy, didn't I tell you, go out and we're going to do this again? He said, I've been embarrassment. He said, I've been embarrassment to my college. He said, I can't go back out there. I'm embarrassment to my team. I'm embarrassment to the fans. I, I, I've done some terrible things. He had tears running down his face. And the coach walked over and patted him on the shoulder. He said, get up, get back out there and do this again and see what happens. We can do this. Gave him another chance. Some people have said, Roy, get out of here. You're off the team. No, coach said, it's time to get back in this thing. Do you know what happened? He finally talked a minute. Roy got up, wiped tears out of his eyes, went back out on the field, and the opposing team, Georgia Tech, said, we have never seen a football player play like Roy Regals did in that second half. He had more drive and desire to win than he ever did in the first half because he was trying to overcome his mistakes. What about us? What about us? I think when God gives us a second chance, I think we need to do our best to make it right. I think when God gives us a third chance, we need to do. We need to give extra to it because I don't want to fall and do that same thing again. I don't, I don't want to fall. I don't want to fail again. And something inside of us rises up when we realize God is not throwing us out of the game and He's not throwing us off the team. He's saying, "Get up! I'm here for you. I'm ready." It almost sounds like the coach kind of. Turned his eyes from him for just a moment. But yet he opened it up and said, Here, I'm going to give you another chance. And he proved that he wasn't a failure. God is calling us today as we stand here in the house. God is calling us to second chances. Where are you at today? What what? What are you experiencing today? Do you feel that God has totally written you off? I, I want you to understand he's not writing you off. He's giving you another chance. And he'll give you another chance and another chance and another chance. Let's make the best of the extra chances and the patience that God gives us. I, I, I mentioned this before, but I've been praying in the last year or so, maybe two years, I've been thanking God for being patient with me and with us. Patient with us. He's patient. He loves us. cares about us. I'm going to open this altar today because we're in the presence of a God that gives us second chances. And I'd like for us to come around this altar today and let's just call out to God. Sometimes we don't come because we feel like God doesn't even want us near the altar. That is a, that's as far from the truth as it can ever get. That's what the devil wants you to think. God wants you at his altar. Because it's at the altar, it's in the presence of the Lord that we find mercy and grace. Amen. Let's lift our hearts and our voices up to the Lord here today. God, I love you. God, I praise you. God, I worship you. Thank you, God, for the blood that you shed on Calvary. Thank you, God, that you cast my sins far as the east is from the west.